it was always part of the plan to put a brewery in, but for many years it, it was just a plan. It's 100% acquisition of Green Beacon. No, we had a chat with everybody. Anyone would have seen this coming a mile away. It's the passion and the, the dedication to beer and brewing. Oh, yeah. That's super simple and direct question. It's always fun to get to speak about beer. Yes, yes, it is always good to speak about beer. G'day beer lovers, I'm Radio Brews News co-host Pete Mitchum and thanks to Cryer Malt, this is Beer as a Conversation, our weekly catch-up with the people who are making the modern beer world such a wonderful and colourful landscape. In this series, we go beneath the branding to get to the business basics, the marketing tips and tricks, and most importantly, the stories that paint the often unseen picture behind the profile pics of the people who make the beers we know and love to share. In this episode, I venture all of four minutes' drive from home to catch up with Braden Beggs at Project Brewing. Braden's a keen home brewer with a mechanical and process engineering background and is living two dreams by building and running a small brew bar in a suburban industrial estate while also holding down a real job to keep his family fed. But as you will learn, this is no part-time hobby, but a well-planned work-life passion balance involving good time management, plenty of long, hard hours, and presumably a good deal of patience from the mother of his five kids. We spoke in the weeks before Melbourne returned to Stage 3 COVID restrictions and chatted about the pressures of adjusting to the reduced operating conditions and the opportunities that those same restrictions have presented. We also look at Project Brewing's core range and between us delight at the fact that Two favourites among the loyal regulars, none other than a Vienna Lager and, wait for it, a Hefeweizen. Our discussion highlights how beer preference is often framed by our individual beer experience and possibly influenced by our beer prejudices. It makes us realise that while someone is discovering a hazy, someone else is discovering a wit beer. There's plenty in this chat to interest homebrewers, startups, and those with breweries in planning. So grab a Hef, pull up a bar stool, and enjoy the conversation. Braden Beggs from Project Brewing, thanks very much for joining us on Beer as a Conversation. Pleasure. Uh, mate, talk us through, I guess we, we like to start off these things uh, fairly simply, but uh, who are you and where are we? Uh, so my name's Braden Beggs, um, we are sitting in Project Brewing's um, recently opened brewery, I say recent, we've, um, we've been going for 12 months, or 12 months today, so I'm an engineer by day, um, been a home brewer for probably... Uh, be at least 15 years I'd say um, yeah just a passion that spiralled out of control passion slash hobby spiralled out of control and yeah this is sort of what we've um, what we've built and where we've got to so now mate uh, be honest with us was it the did your mates uh, drinking your beer for free convince you that you know this stuff's so good because it, it is a common story or did you decide uh, you know I, I'd like to give brewing a go on a commercial level yeah, no, we're probably a bit different. My, um, like I enjoyed brewing and have done for many years, but as I sort of got older, my, my brewing, uh, my uh, beer consumption volumes tapered off massively. So I, um, I got a lot out of the brewing process and I have to, I learn by doing. So I have to brew batch after batch after batch um, to, you know, make little changes and do all the stuff that I like doing. Um, and I just couldn't do that anymore, even on a 19, 19 20 litre scale. Um, so I used to get a lot out of um, brewing for birthdays or wedding parties or like just family functions because um, you get to brew four different beers and people you get the feedback from people and you could make a little adjustment to each one. So I knew that there was differences, but you know 
just you get the feedback from people. So that's how that's sort of my background as a home brewer. And this kind of this uh, a lot of the motivation for this was um, not just it was a good good excuse to brew, and other people were going to buy the beer and drink the beer. Um, but um, my wife and I we um, we had a desire to start a business, basically, which is what starting a brewery is more than brewing. Brewing's probably I'd be kind and say two percent of my workload. Um, it's more about yeah, the the business aspect and learning what it takes to run a business and starting something and growing something and having a product and developing a product that's ours basically. Talk us through, Braden. What is a what is a project a project engineer? Oh, sorry, process so, engineer. Yeah, me- mechanical engineer. Went through uh, went through uni at, at Monash down the road and did mechanical engineering um, mainly because I liked cars and I idealised the uh, perfect job being designing you know engines for Holden or something like that. But the stark reality finishing uni was that automotive automotive industry was well on the way out. So I went into um, just engineering, project management, um, fabrication type businesses. So I've found myself at the moment, I've been working for a company now for nine years in um, as a process engineer, project manager in dairy factories primarily. So, you know, stainless steel, pumps, pipes, valves, all that sort of stuff is my day-to-day. Um, so I just enjoy the process and improving things and working out neat ways of, of doing things, I suppose. Um, is it a big picture kind of thing? Like, do you do you look at the, uh, I guess the the problem you're trying to solve initially or immediately, or is it with the view that it's part of a, a bigger process? Uh, I'd like to think it's part of a bigger process. Um, like, for instance, now we're looking. We know our end goal. We, we want to build a thousand litre brew house, and that's what we're working towards, <clears throat> step by step. But every time we do one thing, we find a hundred others. So you end up we find I find anyway I get stuck doing little projects within the project and sort of you get distracted and then you have to go away it is kind of good having another job I go away during the week and then I sort of come in here on the weekends um, sort of fresh and I get to look at it from a new point of a new perspective I suppose and go oh I can see oh yep I was getting sidetracked there I need to pull my head in and focus on the the bigger picture I suppose. So what percentage how many hours or slash days per week is dedicated to the brewery? Um, probably, at the moment, most nights. A lot of nights during the week. Um, every Friday night, every Saturday day and night, every Sunday day and night. It's a lot at the moment, yeah. But we're, we, we're sort of, we've only just really got kicked off. Um, before all of this, the world started ending, um, stuff happened, we were getting to a point where a, a lot of those tasks I've, I've handed off or... You know, my goal is to hand off a lot of this operational side of the brewery and focus more on the business side. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot of hours at the moment. And is, is long-term to, I guess, leave the process engineering behind and just get into the process of brewing beer full-time? Probably not, uh, just from a financial point of view. Like, I think most people that start a brewery or want to start a brewery, um, if they've done their homework, probably realise that like there's better ways to spend your time and money uh, if that's your thing um, so I think just from a financial point of view we probably wouldn't be able to do this full time um, this is like this is a project in every sense of the word like we really did just want to get something going and see where it would take us um, I've found that I enjoy it um, every bit as much as I thought that I would um, it's as uh, yeah 
financially it's probably where we thought it would be too which you know just means it's going to be slow to do all the things that we want to do which is you know grow and develop and buy new equipment and that sort of stuff but um yeah that doesn't mean that down the track we won't like it gives us options i suppose one day we might wake up and decide yep we want to do a bigger brewery somewhere or another location different yeah it's it's actually like you're pretty unique in that respect, and it's actually quite refreshing to hear somebody who uh, is realistic about, you know, I'm one of 600, 700 odd breweries. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to, uh, I guess, reimagine the world and, and think that I can do this um, and, and be as good or better than uh, the big guys. Still having, I guess, the, um, this, the, the job satisfaction or the job security of knowing that there's, you know, you looked after financially and this can be the the project because I think a lot of people get into it thinking eventually one two three years down the track I'm gonna you know burn the tie throw away the suit or the the tools or whatever and 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 just enjoy the the passionate life of a brewer yeah that um we know that's probably not realistic everyone's going to be different but like our circumstances we've got um uh, my wife and I have five kids we know that this this was a place I suppose we wanted to be able to involve the kids in one day and like it's a very family orientated venue but it does take a lot of time away from the family so we need to be able to bring them in uh, from time to time uh, the kids enjoy coming here uh, as well which is good but um and that's probably a pretty good time to uh, I guess uh, paint the picture for our listeners uh, we're in a it's a tilt slab uh, industrial unit in um, suburban Roeville, so we're in sort of Melbourne's outer east, about 23k's from the city. Um, why this place? That's a good question. We did spend quite, we spent at least two years looking for a location. The one non-negotiable, I suppose, for us is we did one industrial because we wanted the space. And um, the breweries that we've seen, I, I spent a bit of time travelling the states through uni days, and a lot of the breweries that we went to there and we liked had that industrial feel and that industrial setting. Um, so we targeted industrial, uh, coupled with that was the council reasons, it was um, difficult to find a location that you can have the space that you need, um, car parking and trade waste and all that sort of stuff. So this for us made the most sense, so we, we picked industrial uh, for that reason. Uh, the location, well this is a job that is very time consuming. I, most nights I'm here, I'll be setting the alarm and, uh, you know, it might be midnight, I've got to come and turn the chiller on or I've got to dry hop a tank because it's that time. Uh, we, I reckon most, I'm here every night, so it had to be close to home. We live 30 seconds down the road. Um, my wife and I met here um, in Roval. So we've lived here for, um, well, I've lived here my whole life. Um, she's been at least half of hers, I suppose. Um, so it's just local to us. Um, we need it to be close by because we're here a lot um, and there was nothing like what we built here I suppose there was nothing else really here at the time um, so yeah you're now you're sharing the the patch I guess the, the city of Knox uh, now hosts uh, Killer Sprocket we've got uh, Hard Road Brewing that little brewery there's a, a few now did you find that that was easier uh, to go through council given that somebody else had already put a few runs on the board uh, no, not really. <laughs> I don't. Think uh, shout out to our friends at the city of Knox. Yeah, no, I don't think anyone is going to have a smooth path through. I mean, ours was pretty smooth. Um, what, what were some of the issues? 
Well, we addressed all the issues up front, so we they, we didn't really have any issues. It was just the time. Like, you're dealing with a council. There's no such thing as a, yeah, you know... A quick decision. A hurry. Um, we, we had to take a lease on this. You can't do anything unless you have control of the building. So, you know, we had a lease sitting for 12 months before we actually had council approval to do what we want to do and it's a suck it and see you know you start paying rent and then you put in your application you hope it comes through so it was just the timing if you could pay 10 times the amount of money to the council and have it come through in one month instead of you know six you would do that every day of the week but you can't it's a just it takes as long as it takes um eventually we got it through we didn't have any major issues um yeah just you spend a lot of money <laughs> waiting for a decision. When you said you, you did a lot of homework, now obviously there was the two years of actually scoping for a site and you were saying to me off mic that you visited quite a few other breweries to sort of get a feel for what you liked and in terms of the, the brew house and that sort of thing. And that obviously uh, informs you know, what size building you decide to get and whether you want to have you know, like a beer garden out the front or a, you know, a lounge, you know, a, a, an open to the public venue. Um, how did you come about those decisions? Was it just you, you guys just sort of sitting down and writing it all out on a piece of paper or did you have some you know a template to work from um it was really about we we basically built what we we would like to go a brewery that we would like to go to we um we spend any time that we had free to ourselves i suppose without the kids we we'd make a day of just going brewery hopping um that was just our thing it's what i like doing and i think it sort of rubbed off a little bit you probably got dragged along to a few but you know, we enjoyed that, um, so we got to know what we liked, I suppose, um, and we built this place uh, with the intention of being somewhere that we would like to go and have a beer, um, somewhere we can take your kids, um, somewhere you can, you know, see the beer getting made, getting packaged, you can talk to the people that are making it, um, like, that. yeah, so what we have here is basically what we saw as being our ideal, which is probably a combination of all the other breweries that we've been to over the years and and pick the aspects of them that we liked. Yeah. Now, being a local as well and, uh, and having grown up uh, in the neighbouring municipality and then making a family here the last 30 years or so, it's not unkind to say that this outer eastern suburbs uh, has not been well looked after for, you know, let's call it craft beer. How have you found the transition over the last 12 months? What, what was the sort of, um, I guess, the, the reaction when you first moved in? What sort of beers were people asking for? What were you providing? And talk us through how that's changed. I suppose when we opened, we had... Um, we'd been to Little Brew a few times down in Ferntree Gully. Um, they were really the only ones that, we'd, um, that we had around at the time. I think Hard Road came on board a bit later. Killer Sprocket have just done their tap room, so... There's quite a few out in this part of the world now, which like, I think that's good for us because um, like our job primarily, other than people coming in here and having a good time and um, trying to you know, get hooked on craft beer, I suppose, like part of our job is getting more people into craft beer. So the more we get more and more lately, or sort of before we shut down, we did anyway, you know, groups of people that will come out and they've been to a handful of the other breweries. So, you know, you get, on the Saturdays you get your brewery tours. So that's... Um, that's been good for us, like from my point of view anyway. Like the more, more little boutique breweries there are around the place, the more awareness there are, there there is, and the more people are going to get into it. So those people will come here eventually. Yeah. And what was the sort of? Uh, did you get the standard? You know, what have you got that tastes most like Great Northern, or what have you got that's like VB, or was it uh, a bit of the new and a, and a few sort of seasoned, if you like, you know, died in the wall craft beer nerds? 
Yeah, we get we get a mix. So, yeah, being a Friday today, we're going to get the local crowd. Well, actually, today I don't know because it's our first day open <laughs> since we got shut down. But traditionally, what we would see is Fridays we would get the locals come in after work from the neighbouring factories, um, and then later on in the evening, just you know, the local residents would come out, and they're primarily early days. They would be after you know your, what tastes most like VB sort of thing. They're just here to catch up with their mates, you know, somewhere a bit unique. Um, and a lot of the feedback is just that it was good to have something else in the area. Like, there's even as, as far as like legit pubs or bars go, there's not much in the area. Um, so we got a lot of that sort of clientele coming in, and you know we'd get them onto the the lager, um, and then we would slowly, as we see them coming back um, over the you know probably nine months that we were open, we just transition them onto other beers. Like we see that as part of our job. Eventually, we've got people that come in now on a Friday after work just from local areas that will just come in and they'll jump straight into an IPA now, whereas, you know, when we opened 12 months ago, it was, you know, lager, and then you slowly transition them through the, the paler styles. And, yeah, so so that's probably our Friday and our Sunday crowd. We, we cater for that by having beer for those people. And not only that, my wife, Caitlin, um, she's a lot further behind uh, behind where I am in my sort of craft experience so I get to use her as a sounding board for what beer is good for transitioning people in so the Vienna Lager is her beer like that's the first beer that I ever brewed at home because um, I'm a massive IPA hophead um, as probably a lot of brewers are but um, I used to brew all these IPAs exclusively and she was like I oh, know craft beer is terrible and now I understand that feedback from other customers that come in here. They might sound about IPA and they think that's what craft beer is, but it's not, or it doesn't have to be. So I brewed a Vienna Lager for her one day, and she was like, "Oh, that's actually really good. Like, oh, you can make good beer, sort of thing." Like, so her predisposition to craft was, "Yeah, it's hoppy. It's it's whatever." So, um, so we make the lager for her originally, but. It's 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 very popular on Fridays and Sundays, and then Saturdays we get the crafty crowds sort of come in, and they'll they'll tackle the XPAs or the IPAs, and they want the random one-off beers that we're doing and the sours and all that sort of stuff. So we we get a yeah we get the full spectrum of people coming in here, and we try and cater for all of them basically. And mate, really good to see. We kind of brushed over a little bit there, but um, a Vienna Lager. I was just speaking to another brewer. Uh, just the other day and we were sort of saying yeah, it's great that lager has made a comeback but we seem to be almost going not dumbing down our lager but we seem to be going either a lager that you perhaps your mainstream drinker is, is not scared off by and or trying to make it paler, trying to make it uh, tropical uh, rather than overtly bitter um, it's really nice to see you going for something that's a little bit more towards the malt driven side so is that just because of, you know it's special because it's the first beer you brewed or was that a conscious decision to try to offer something a little bit different or do you do other lagers as well it's um it's i mean it's not like the the lager that i brewed back in the day it's a totally different recipe but my thing is i i'd like a beer i'd like to think that any beer that we have up on the board or that we put up over the bar i'd be happy to sit and drink um and i just don't enjoy pale like you know you're very basic pale lagers so we you know on purpose we just made it a bit you know like a really multi lager and we've been playing from batch to batch we change it so we're at a point now where we're almost full Vienna um, malt um, and a really nice German yeast and not much in the way of hops so that's kind of getting towards our sweet spot and the feedback's been great it's it's a lager but it's you know it's 
got plenty of malt backbone in it. Um, it's not pale or, you know, bland by any, any means, and, yeah, people seem to enjoy it. And I noticed, too, that uh, there's some Voyager malt over there. Would that be the, the Vienna? Uh, that we, we sort of just rotate through malt suppliers because we're, you know, like I said before, my thing is trying, like learning by doing. So we've rotated through most of the malt suppliers that we can think of. Um, we're trying to stay local, so we just ordered a big um, batch of Voyager. We've tried House of Malt. Um, we've done Coopers. Um, I'm not... Um, you know, sentimental about my recipes in any way. Like, I'm more process-driven, so if our process is solid, my theory is that your recipe, we can vary our recipe and still get um, a good drinkable beer out at the end. Uh, now, Braden, I noticed too that we've got uh, a very nice, don't want to be unkind again, but to say a homemade-looking still. Uh, talk us through the uh, the spirits side of the business. Uh, definitely homemade. Um, it's a bit of a hybrid. So, again, I like playing around with things. So when COVID hit and we... Um, we really didn't have a use for a brew house. Um, we've got Tiny Bear down the road, um, so we get along really well with them. So Damo, he was um, getting a lot of requests for making sanitizer, um, and he ran out of capacity, like to ferment. So, so you know, we started a discussion: could we do some of that here? Um, that just sort of it started out as: can we just ferment some sugar for him and take it down, and he can distill it? And um, yeah, to sort of like most things in here it just spiralled out of control a little bit to where we're like well we just converted our brew house into a still and we've um, we've sort of made it a bit of a hybrid um, we borrowed a lot of parts from him and other distillers and just made a combined sort of pot and column still so we've been playing around with making neutral spirits sanitizer, um, making a bit of, fair bit of whiskey or trying to make a fair bit of whiskey but um, yeah it was insanely easy to get um, because there was a massive demand for sanitizer early days which is gone now um, but we always knew that it would um, and it just leaves us with, with another product I suppose that we can start and what's the uh, what's the brew house that that's attached to uh, so that's our original trial brewery um, yeah back from home brew days brewing in the shed that's what I used to use um, get a bunch of mates around brew some beer and take a cube home sort of thing so we're using the hot water side of that um, for sterilizing and we use it for the still at the moment, but yeah, basically it's um, mothballed, apart from distilling. So, Braden, talk us through the uh, the beer list that we've got on at the moment. is um, it really pleasing to see that it's it's quite uh, it's quite varied. Uh, what have you got on there at the moment, and um, and how has that changed, or is it similar to what you've done in the last twelve months? So we started, we opened with the pale, uh, the Vienna Lager, uh, an XPA, and an IPA. They've sort of stayed fairly constant. Um, for me, that just gives me, you know, some quite hoppy beers that vary between pale to IPA, and then we threw an XPA in between there. That's just my, um, you know, my hop forward beer preference, I suppose. And then we did the lager for, um, you know, just to make sure we're catering for a wider audience. And then as we've brewed the the rest of the tap lists, it um, it varies. Um, we on purpose try and mix that up because you know the crafty people that come in don't want to see eight. Of the same beers every time so at the moment uh, we've normally got a couple of dark beers so we're going to brew a imperial stout and a porter next week that'll go as part of that make up the other four beers and um, we've got a hef um, which has been really well received we brewed that as a one-off just come in here like on a 40 degree summer day one uh, last summer and thought well i really feel like a hef for some reason so we we'd knocked one out 
and we sold through that pretty quick. So we've actually, that's one of the um, sort of random beers that we've made repeatedly um, because we've been asked for it. I want to walk through that just for a minute because uh, Matt and I, through Brews News Week and through a couple of beer as a conversations, have been lamenting the fact that where you know the the second wave of craft breweries that started in Australia, uh, sort of around the 2000s to the mid 2000s, everyone had a, a wit or a hef, a wheat based beer of some sort, and that was really what I guess differentiated those breweries and those beers from from the mainstream. Then you know, we, we looked last week where um, uh, one of the the breweries who'd, who'd been making one for a long time. Mubru had, had, had dropped theirs and it made us sort of talk about it. Is it almost as if if you don't know a lot about craft beer you'll go for a wheat beer but if you're indoctrinated into the fold it's like I oh, know that's all a bit yesterday. What, what do you think? Yeah, not really sure what I think. Um, for me I won't knock back any beer. Like I, My thing is variety. I'll never have the same beer twice. Um, if there's 12 beers on tap, I'm not happy until I've had them all. So if the hef's on there or, you know, something that's a bit lighter and easy to drink, I'll still go there. Um, what, what's the inspiration, say, for example, for your hef? Uh, just easy drinking, hot summer day. It was 40 degrees in here and I wanted to make a beer and that's what I felt like drinking that day. So was there a classic German hef that you sort of tried as a youngster or uh, on your travels? Not really. I'd never come across. I mean, I haven't ventured to the part of the world where they probably make very good ones. Um, the examples I've had here have probably all been on a ship for a few months and they're probably past prime, but you, you sort of get the idea. Um, I like the banana-y side of, of a hef, so we sort of went for a little bit of that, but then on the next batch we went the other way. So, yeah, no real... Um, yeah, wasn't really looking at any other particular beer that I've had in the past to try and replicate it. It was just what we felt like brewing and drinking on the day, I suppose. And I noticed you've, you've got a couple of uh, a couple of fruited sours there. Uh, yeah, so that's probably so. I'm still late to the sour thing. Um, not a massive fan, but probably over the last three years, I know that they're growing in popularity. We knew we would have to do some sour. Um, it's the number one beer that we get asked for by our customers. Um, they all wanted to know when we're going to brew a sour. Um, I don't never really enjoyed them. Um, I used to use them as palate cleansers between IPAs. Um, found them very useful in that regard, um, which was a really good way. Like every, even now, if I go to a brewery, it's not the first beer I'll have, but I'll definitely still have one because I'm trying to, you know, get my palate to accept them. And I'm at a point now where I genuinely enjoy them. I'll take, um, you know, I'll take a growler or a squealer of sour home now. Um, if I'm brewing and I feel like having a beer, that, that's exactly what that beer is for uh, for me. Just something I can drink. It's tasty. Um, the low ABV thing is a pretty big thing for me. Um, like with our Hef especially, every batch we're dropping that down in ABV. Um, the Vienna Lager is, is the same because you know, I'm trying to get the same flavour profile without the alcohol. Um, and that's obviously a consideration when you're in an industrial complex. You've got, you know, you, you want to look after your um, your clientele, but you're you're aware that they're not going to sit and have six or seven, and then have a designated driver as well. Yeah, um, that's we definitely see that a lot. Um, but you know, more so being selfish, I suppose, is I quite enjoy having a beer, but I know I can't come in here and have a beer and then still be motivated and productive certainly not if I get on the IPAs but if I have a sour beer you know there's still plenty of flavour there to keep me interested 
but doesn't have that massive demotivating uh, alcohol hit at the end. So, and then just quickly, Braden, you're doing. You're talking. We talk about takeaways. Is that are you getting uh, mobile canning in? Are you doing it yourself, or is it just growlers and squealers? So at the moment, we're doing growler and squealer fills only, because um, that's all we can do. We can we can keg, and that's it. We looked at um, the contract canning or bottling to come in, but that's just. It's it's a cash flow problem for us. It's you know it's five k that we've got to have. We've got to spend that now and wait for the money to come in, which we just couldn't do. So we did some contract brewing at Watts River. Um, so they were they were awesome for getting that practical brewery experience. So early days, I hassled them a lot and made a point of brewing our first couple of batches there as a contract brew, and we'd bottle those. So I, you get a lot of the knowledge from those guys hanging around the brewery for a few days, picking their brains. And did you know Aaron and Ben before that, or did you just kind of introduce yourself and say, yeah, I want to be a competitor, <laughs> show me how to do it? No, it was just by chance. Um, I, I broke a shoulder on the mountain bike uh, a few years ago and just uh, wasn't working, so went for a drive out. We go to Ilden a lot with the, with the missus and... We just saw a sign for a new brewery, and um, that was our thing at the time. So we were like, oh, new brewery in Hillsville, we've got to stop in here. And um, it just so happened it was the day they opened. So, again, it was the first, probably the first place that I was with Caitlin, and I'd seen a brewery where I could show her, because uh, my travels through the States, she wasn't really, she wasn't there to see all the breweries that I'd been going through. That was the first one that I could walk in and say, look, this is kind of what I had in my head. You know, it's a, an industrial setting, um, you can see the whole brewery. Um, you can talk to the brewers because they were the ones serving the beer. I was like, this is this is sort of what I'm picturing, and that was really a good kickstarter for us to go. Look, we've seen an example now of exactly what we want to build. So just a lot of dialogue backwards and forwards with those guys. They were awesome. Sat down and um, just picked their brains over and over. And then when we got close to opening this, obviously we um, we did a few batches there, contract brewing, um, which allowed us to get bottles. Um, so we had some takeaways and um, yeah just the wealth of knowledge that those guys have like the experience they've got just you know you pick up a lot Um, anyone can brew beer like you can make it at home it's very simple but there are you know there's good ways there's good practices there's you know neat tricks I suppose all that sort of stuff that you pick up just being around a brewery that was very uh, valuable for us and we do bang on a lot about how uh, the craft beer community is very collaborative um, whilst you're a competitor you're also you know a compadre and it's it's always been very open with its secrets and I guess that's you know a, a big advantage for you and uh, uh, you know the, the whole circle of life thing you know at one point you're going to get one of your customers come in saying mate I want to open my own brewery and, and you help them yeah, we have it now. Um, I can see it from both sides because we used to go to a lot of breweries and we'd be like, oh, you know, we're looking at starting our own one day. Can we ask you some questions? And you can, they get a lot of that because everyone wants to open a brewery. Realistically, maybe 1% of them probably will. Um, but that, that knowledge is there, like it's such a collaborative industry. Um, that probably one of the main reasons we joined it. Um, the people in it are awesome. I've been to Kaiju today, cleaned a bunch of kegs, you know, just drive up, clean kegs. They give you a six-pack and away you go. Like, you go there, you use their time and resources and they give you beer and it's just, it's an, it's an awesome industry to be part of. Um, and startups like us, like at the scale we are, it'd be very difficult without that support um, and those people, you know, numerous brewers I'll message um, day and night, you know, I'm having this problem, my beer's doing this or I found this, you know, 
have you seen that issue in the past or you know what do you guys do to deal with this um, yeah, invaluable um, and it, it is widespread um, probably only one or two breweries have sort of not been that friendly um, but yeah by and large yeah, just a, a really good group of um, sort of people to be a part of I suppose yeah, and we won't name them obviously on tape but I'll get you to uh, mention them to me afterwards so I can just put them on my book <laughs> uh, now Braden you were talking about uh, kegs is, is this the only place this the only address that we can uh, get the beer or is it available anywhere else at the moment, so we're just firing back up. So we were getting kegs out to local sporting clubs and restaurants and, you know, people would come in, you know, want kegs for their weddings and that sort of thing. Um, so we're, we will try and push more into that space now as we open back up. Um, as far as takeaways, it's here and there's a couple of local restaurants that we quite like that um, will we'll uh, sell our beers. Um, going forward, we've, um, we're hopefully in a month we're taking delivery of our own very small canning machine. Um, so we will start pushing out some um, packaged beer in volume out of here. Um, we've got a very strong local focus, so a lot of my thing is we want to do a lot of um, random beers of sorts, and the only place you can get them is here. We'll probably do you know pale ale, lager, XPA, IPA, and try and get them out locally, but it'll be within a very small radius of here because um, we are very local and you know very small scale as you can see. We don't have capacity to to go. I was thinking, and you know, we'll paint the picture. I'll, I'll take a photo and, and put it in the show notes. But you must be working this thing fairly hard to squeeze enough beer just to service this venue. Yeah, so it's an interesting one because we, we're selling more volume than what we forecast early days. Um, so we're getting to a point where we're brewing 800 litres at a time, um, and we are we're struggling. We were struggling to keep our own bar supplied we're running out of beer left right and center which was good and bad um i mean a lot of our beers especially the hoppy beers we scale them down a bit anyway because we don't want them in the cool room more than two months so it was always a battle to try and keep them in stock here let alone get them out in the world but as we um as we get this bigger system fired up and we've got more consistent um, product flow keeping them in the cool room for two months hopefully won't be a problem we'll start we haven't approached any bars yet to you know try and put our beers on we've been more focused on getting our beer right to where we're happy to get it out we change a lot from batch to batch um, so we're only just getting to a point now where you know we're making minor changes from batch to batch of certain beers but they're not wholesale changes so we're I'm comfortable now that we can go and approach a bar and say hey this is our beer this is what we represent do you want to put it on tap sort of thing so that will happen more and more and we'll get a bit more consistent volume flow hopefully and then the canning will just be a nice... We get a lot of people coming in and they want... They don't want cans of pale and lager. They want cans of, you know, some random IPA that you've done. Um, we really like what um, the guys like at Mr Banks and those sorts of guys do that... Um, you know, the big format cans that are pretty unique. You know, they're not mainstream by any, any means. And, you know, people like me, like, I would go and buy one or two of those beers. You wouldn't buy a slab of them. So... You, we want people to be able to come here and just grab, you know, a mixed six-pack of just odd beers to try, basically, and beers that, that won't be on in the fridge all year round. We'll do one batch and then we'll do something else next batch. So, yeah, that'll be a big focus for us going forward, but by and large it'll be available at the brewery only, I'm thinking. You touched on an interesting point, and I want to pick your brain. 
earlier on you were talking about how uh, in terms of your malt selection, your hops, that sort of thing, you're not wedded to, you know, I guess bashing out exactly the same beer each time. You're, you're happy to, to tweak and that sort of thing. But now we talk about approaching bars. Is there a, a thought there that now I've got a kind of, like if, if I sell them a, an XPA, it's got to kind of taste the same because they're going to expect consistency. Does that alter, I guess, you know, your brewing style? And, uh, you know, do you think you'd be able to cope with those sort of changes? Well, we'll have to see. I mean, there, there's there's limits within that. Um, and, and the XPA is a good example of that. Um, it's been a very popular beer from day one, so I've been reluctant to muck with that too much. So still to this day, I use the same malt supplies. We vary the proportions a little bit to, you know, try and tweak it a little bit from batch to batch, but no wholesale changes. The paler, we've totally changed the malt in that um, but not too sentimental about it because it's still a pale ale we've been very upfront. people come in here they know they're not going to get the exact same beer from batch to batch we're not trying to make the same beer batch to batch um, we know we need to get to a point where we can but we'll, the kegs that we'll be trying to get out will be going to craft bars and they're, I'm expecting they're going to be more than happy most of them don't want the same beer time after time um, we're not going to target bars that you know you just have a beer on a tap and that's not realistic these days anyway. I'm expecting our beer will go into bars and they want a keg this month and then next month they're going to want a keg of something else and then something else. They're not going to say, you know, just keep sending us kegs of pale. So we'll, I think we've got plenty of scope to keep mucking around with our recipes, even for our, well, I don't want to call them core beers, but there's a, a handful of beers that we will keep making because they've been quite popular for us. Um, but yeah, I've got no issues changing them up from batch to batch. We haven't had any negative feedback from people that come in and say, oh, I had you know, the lager last month and it was different. Can you make that one again? We've had none of that. So yeah, no, we'll keep playing with it. And in terms of, uh, you talk about local bars and that sort of thing, are you out there sort of, I guess, you know, scoping who's out there? Because again, there's a lot of your, I guess, your cookie cutter ALH type pub with a, either a Lion or a CUB or a bit of each contract and you might get one or two uh, attempts at craft or there might be you know some tins in the fridge or, or something like that um, are there other small bars around that you think you could sort of tap into yeah and I think realistically especially given our scale and our want to stay local and connected that's exactly what we're going to target um, so you know we've got some good uh, relationships with some of those guys already um, brewed with Jesse at Forages drop for quite a while so we'll go and hassle him at some point um, to get some beers on tap and you know craft beer bars are popping up more and more so that's more what we're going to target um, we're not really interested in getting into any of the bigger ones um, another one I've noticed is uh, things like you, you might find a, a little burger bar and they'll have uh, either a small tap system and doing growlers and, or, or squealers or they've got you know a reasonable range of beers you know to match their their burgers that's something i think i've noticed in the last 10 years or so that's really changed about this area we, we just don't have the little laneways we don't have the little hole in the wall bar we don't have the the, the, the cool little um you know beer places that's right um that's, yet they're definitely out there and they will grow as well i mean we've got um flame trees as one of our local burger bars and again me and Caitlin, if we're going to go out on our own for a meal, we will go there because they've got craft beer. Um, we'll go and have a can or two of just whatever random beers they've got on tap and, you know, good burgers. Um, that sort of thing will be more and more, but that's a, probably another example of a business that we'll probably go and knock on their door one day and say, hey, and, I mean, they've been in here, they know we're around, um, they know we're sort of getting set up, so they'll probably 
hopefully they'll come and knock on our door one day. But um, that's that's sort of the the small sort of niche sort of business, I suppose, that we'll probably go and try and target to try and move. We don't need to move much volume. We don't have that much capacity. So if we could supply a few of those guys, it gets our name out there. They're supporting local. We're supporting local. Like It, it just works for everyone, I think. So uh, plan number one or plan A, you've ticked that box. You've got the system. The next is we're 800 litres at the moment. You want to go to 1,000? A, a yeah, so we'll be... Once the system that we're sitting right next to gets fully up and running and commissioned, um, we'll be able to punch out sort of between 800 and probably 1,400, 1,500 litre batches. Um, then our fermenters are going to be a bit limiting. Um, so that's that's plenty for what we do. Um, 800 litres a batch um, will keep our bar busy and still let us get the odd keg out. Um, the challenge for us is going gonna, is gonna to be when we start canning, um, trying to understand what the demand for that is we don't really know initially we'll definitely just start selling out of here and try and gauge the interest and then as we start to go out we might need to expand but we need fermenters um so that'll be the that'll be stage two is to get more um, fermenting capacity i suppose but um and at the moment too i mean everything looks neat everything's beautifully ordered but nothing's the same it's not so you've pretty much put it together from i guess assembled it from second-hand equipment mostly yeah, so it's all very custom. Um, yeah, I mean, with the exception of the fermenters, we, we bought them in and then we've modified those to suit our needs. Um, our mash tun is an old uh, dairy vat and we've basically just gone about making it how we want it, so welding all of the fittings and connections, so very custom. Um, our transfer manifolds are all custom, you know, designed and made. Um, the kettle at the moment it's a temporary one but we're in the process of building a, a bigger one which is again it's just me on AutoCAD designing exactly what I want and then going away and getting that made um, so yeah there's and there's a bit of history behind the the kettle talk, talk us through uh, what that's been through uh, so this kettle is our uh, our mountain brewers collaborative we, we call it just a you know for years uh, 10 or 20 of us have got together in someone's backyard from time to time uh, through the year and we just punch out a batch of beer and uh, like with brewing, it's a lot of the appeal is just that the social aspect, just getting together and talking crap, basically, um, having a beer, talking about beer, and in the background we'd be making, you know, eight or nine hundred liters of a Russian Imperial Stout or you know a Pliny clone or whatever we felt like at the time. Um, so that that does get carted around the countryside to someone's backyard um, at least four times a year to um, yeah get the group together, I suppose. So that will that will stay as part of the kit, or you'll update that. Uh, so that's being replaced. So ideally, that needs to stay as a standalone um, kettle, basically that's available for those guys. I've found it uh, more difficult in recent times to to get uh, get along to those. But um, the intention is to leave that available for that group of guys, because within that group, I mean, there's there's guys in there that will get to this stage at some point and um, already expressed interest in sort of coming along to brew days and maybe doing some. Um, contract brewing here so it's uh, it's a pretty good group of just hardcore home brewers and sort of yeah, encourages or fosters that um, you know taking that next step sort of thing there's a lot of knowledge within that group so but, and mate I've got to say it looks like you've really nailed you know it's, it's a well-worn phrase the whole you know work-life balance and that sort of thing but you seem to have the best of both worlds in terms of being able to indulge your passion but to do it not half-assed 
um, I, I hope that comes across the right way, but it must be that you can only do that because you've got, I guess, you know, the, the financial security of, of having the, you know, the real gig. Yeah, it's a difficult one. Um, if you'd followed me around for, you know, a week, you'd probably have a different view. Have no work-life balance at the moment, but that's because we're trying to get a business up and running. Um, the intention is to, you know, get some of that balance back and get. Basically, I'm at a, in a at a point where I'm developing the processes in here the way that I want them, and then I'll once I'm happy with them, then I can you know go and get other people on board to uh, take over a lot of that, um, and I can step back and do more of the business-focused stuff and. I like the idea of, you know, having the creative part of, you know, working out what I'd like to brew um, and I can come in here and brew a batch if I want but I don't want to have to be that person that does it because that will absolutely kill the passion. Um, I don't want to get to the point where it's like oh, I have to come in tonight, I need to go and brew a pale ale because we're nearly run out. Um, I need to find a way to keep it, um, you know, keep the passion there and be excited about it. Yep, I had a really good idea for a beer, I want to go in and, and make this, you know, at night um, when I've got time or whatever but um, yeah so the work life thing's an interesting one I'm here a lot at the moment um, but I also work uh, during the week and mostly in sort of country Victoria so I'm not around um, seem to tag team it with my wife a little bit she does night shift on the weekends I don't see her and then um, I go away during the week and then I spend the weekends here um, so I try and get her involved here as much as possible um, uh, so we do actually see each other, but yeah, it's an interesting one. Work-life balance. We don't have any anyone that's ever worked or knows anything about a, running a brewery will understand that there's just there's always something to do here. Um, I've got a hit list that if I spent two years, I wouldn't get it done. I walk in here, I, I walk past something, and I you know instantly see something else that needs to be done. So that that's difficult. Um, yeah, I'd be lying if I said I won't I'll be here till probably 2am tonight probably tomorrow and probably as long as I can on Sunday as well just getting stuff done Um, that'll taper off over time as we get things sorted out but it's um, it's a labour of love at the moment there's no work-life balance I can comfortably say that and what's the dream for two three five years time where what are we going to be doing then when I come back to touch base and and wallow in your success with you yeah that's an interesting question um don't know to be honest um can you you still be here or would you have to almost by necessity grow out of this space by then to be sustainable i think um we will definitely still be here i like this this is our location like this is exactly what we wanted it's um definitely space limited so if we were to decide that we like the package side of things and want to go down that path a more production focused facility one day that that interests me from a process point of view um, I'd love to be able to go out and buy another you know bunch of equipment that would be nice we don't need it here um, we couldn't produce enough beer here to justify it but you know somewhere around this area if we had a, another production facility that was able to punch out that stuff and we still had this as our like other I've seen plenty of other breweries that will do that they keep their original brewery as a a pilot plan of sorts where people can still come in and see the whole process but the reality is if we do you know half reasonable half reasonable job at um, getting beer out into the world that we'll probably need a bigger facility one day to do a lot of that sort of standard sort of beer if you will Um, I'd like to think we'll get to that but uh, yeah, I have no 
yeah, I won't be disappointed if we don't. At the moment, I can't say that to the plan. I'd like to, but my motivation there is just to be able to buy another brew house, basically, and have somewhere else to go and brew. Um, and someone else to brew it for you? Yeah, that that is that is good. We're getting to that point now where I'm pretty happy with the, the process, so I'm sort of passing that on to um, some of the other people here to take over that um, role. As I said, I don't want to be the be-all and end-all for the brewer. I'm not... You know, my job description at the moment is part brewer, but it won't be going forward. Um, I'll still come in here and brew when I want to, but it has to be on that those, those terms, like I want to go in and brew a beer, not I have to go in and brew a beer. So, um, yeah, there's definitely that aspect of uh, having something that's sort of self, that runs itself basically with um, the crew of brewers that um, take care of all the, the cleaning and all the fun stuff, digging out the mash tun. Yeah. Well, mate, I hear in the background a little while back the uh, the, the knockoff whistle. It's five o'clock. Um, it's it's a Friday afternoon, so I'm going to let you go and uh, pour me a beer. But Braden, thanks very much for uh, inviting us into Project Brewing, and all the best for the future, mate. No worries. Thanks for having me along. And that was Braden Beggs from Project Brewing. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryer Malt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and are proud sponsors of Beer's Conversation. Now, don't forget, if you like Radio Brews News, you can throw us a bone in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show, drop a few shekels in the cup, or leave a one-off bag of cash, small unmarked bills, please. Or you can review, hit the like, subscribe, hit the bell, and heart us, and whatever you cool kids do nowadays to show your appreciation details are in the show notes uh, you probably don't read the show notes do you i don't know why i bother <laughs> <laughs>